Rising Football Club. Hello there. My name is Kellen Olson, the host of the proceedings. We're back. Uh, we took a week off. I was sick pretty much all week, and Jake and I always deal with the. Uh, I'm joined by Jake Anderson as always. Yeah, Jake you got and me I sick too. I did. I missed I, training. I quite literally did. You. I came in on Monday not feeling too hot, but one of those things where you want to test the waters before checking out sick. You sat directly next to me. Mm-hmm. I left early because I felt so much worse throughout the day, and then I got word the next day that you were sick as well, and I was like. Well, that was definitely me. <laughs> it was like there was no other way to interpret it. You got sick because of me. I'm sorry, pal. Well, that you- was the day you won uh, Bonneville's best. So congratulations to you for that. Hey, thank you, man. Yeah, you got to you got to experience your first uh, proceedings of that, your first meeting of that, and then you saw the kid. Yeah, the one hit wonder step up out of nowhere. I had no idea. I was very surprised. It was very, very nice. Uh, to have you know it was a very cool moment um and then you went out and went and out then, ill and then i did not come in the rest of the <laughs> week i literally didn't work again until sunday i was wrecked you recovered pretty quickly though right from what i remember yeah i think i came back thursday or friday okay yeah i was whew. monday was like the beginning of me feeling bad and then i felt worse and worse and then on thursday i kind of got okay so because of that we did not podcast last week and then we got a little bit late into this week because again availability i'm working a d-backs game on wednesday it's just the nature of the podcast sometimes so for those of you looking out for the episodes we do apologize but we're back with breaking news phoenix rising football club keeps winning breaking one no win over tulsa was the one that we missed on our last episode and then a 3-2 comeback win against la galaxy 2 both of those on the road just going to briefly talk about both games for a minute maybe two and then uh move on to the prem uh, the premier league season starts today we're recording this on a friday liverpool with a 4-1 win over norwich uh but kind of just talk about the league and i'm i'm extremely excited in two weeks when the european window closes that's when we're going to get to your serial talk we'll let you talk into a microphone about roma which i'm sure you will love and i will love talking about the prem today you'll hear me complain every week <laughs> how about that didn't get a cardi and they sold uh, another young promising player and didn't spend the money they don't have any money so they say <laughs> Yeah, it's bullcrap. 1-0 win over Tulsa. Uh, the red card in the 45th minute. Lambert comes on, scores seven minutes later in the 69th. Nice. What were your thoughts on this match? I really, I watched this match. I didn't really have many thoughts on it at the time. And now like a week and a half later, I have even less thoughts. Just one of those sloppy, one of their worst performances of the season. But I mean, they still got the win. But I think this was a game where it goes a certain way against a certain opponent they certainly could have lost. It was not their best showing. Yeah, and going into the match, uh, Tulsa was in, I mean, the worst form We talked about possible. it, yeah. Was, I think it was eight matches unbeaten. They hadn't won since uh, May, I believe it was. Um, so they really took their home field advantage to heart from, from what I heard and what I read. You know, They play on a baseball field first, so that already doesn't help. And then... The grass was taller. Uh, the grass was dry, from what I read and what I heard. So, I mean, they have the right to do that. And and Chance was talking about some guys were talking about on social media. You know, maybe you're going to start seeing that on the road a little bit more. Just trying to figure out a way to beat these guys because obviously no one can figure it out since May. And a game that 
I always talk about teams that are good, they find a way to win those type of games. I mean, I honestly thought it was going to end nil-nil. It was one of those games to where it was just like, eh, eh. Both teams had chances. Uh, Tulsa yeah. had early chances. Zach Lubin, again, is playing out of his mind and, and keeping his team in games. I, I say that keepers can't win you games. A lot like hockey goalies can't win you a game because they can't score. But they can keep you in one and keep your, your offense alive to give them a chance. And that's what Zach Lubin did. And, you know, Kevin Lambert comes in. And the subs that Chance has made the last two matches have turned to gold. And they've both scored. And the winning streak survives and goes on. Same thing in the in the Galaxy win, the 3-2 win. He was great in that one as well. And I think when you look at teams top of the table that win leagues, that win trophies, you cannot do that with an average goalkeeper. You can do it with a pretty good goalkeeper, maybe a great goalkeeper, an all-time great goalkeeper helps, but you need one that is at least pretty good and can have those 30-minute spells in the game where your offense and your rhythm is just completely off and they get two good chances and he saves both of them. Lubin's kind of been on that run the past couple of weeks, I feel like, where in these two matches, it's been a little bit lethargic maybe, and he's been the one to be the one to make plays to keep them in the game, and then eventually that offense, you can't stop it for a full 90. Yeah, and on uh, on Tuesday when I was at training speaking to to Rick, he was saying that you know if for some reason it's on the road and you don't know if it's because of all the winning or because they're they're tense and they don't want to lose because of the fans and the kind of the I guess unadded pressure that the winning streak brings they don't want to take chances and whatnot um so th- especially on the road if you notice they have been starting out a little slow um the LA game honestly the the first goal uh Sorry, the the penalty I want to get to the was just it was just a bad pass by James Musa gets intercepted and then you know it ends up being just an unfortunate penalty. It's one of those things, um, but they end up when they tied the match and it was two two. There were a couple of saves that Lubin made, especially the last one he made. I I thought it was it was in. I mean the the guy took the shot from a little little bit at the top of the box. He was trying to curl it in and Lubin was actually going the wrong way cuz I think he and I both thought he was about to pass it to the side, but like uh, Lubin keeping the team in every single match. The I want to give the credit to the whole team as a whole. You know, the defense helps out obviously and the first goal was honestly an, an unfortunate 50-50 ball that fell right to the guy's foot on yeah. I mean, the, the chance of that happening aren't going to happen. We've talked about those goals happening where there's just a lot of goals they've given up this season with how great they've been. They've almost been even better defensively because a lot of the goals they've scored, I'd say at least three or four out of ten goals that they give up are just these ones where you go, it's a bounce here, it's a bounce there, and then what can you do? That's what happened in the final last year. It was just it kind of ping-ponged on a corner and all of a sudden a shot goes in and it's in the back of the net. Um, But to go back to what you said about over the course of a season... Uh, when I asked Rick if winning the Supporters' Shield, what would that mean to him as a possible, you know, a treble is possible if you win the Supporters' Shield, you win your conference trophy, and then you win the USL Cup. You said that the Supporters' Shield, A, is your first goal because, A, you win the West. Um, excuse me, his first goal is to win the West, but if you win the Supporters' Shield and being the best team in the entirety of the league, I mean, you have to do that for 34 matches. And so... I want to equivalent kind of the playoffs to almost the Champions League run, and then we'll take the regular season as more of a, a 
you know, a season for the rest of the world, how it works. So it's what is more impressive, kind of what did City just do in the Prem and what did Liverpool just do in the Champions League? Because if you look at the two finalists in Spurs and Liverpool, both of them on the final day of group stage were minutes away from being eliminated. And what City just did, what they had done last year, it's unprecedented. And you have to do that for an entire season and that's something that, that Rick and, and even James Musso, when I was talking to him, were saying. It's That's what makes winning the league, or winning the Supporters' Shield especially, so meaningful and, and so impressive, honestly. You, um, with, with great teams and, and great soccer teams in specifically, you see these matches where they're down 3-0, down 3-1, down 2-0, and they score that first goal. And then from then on, they control the rest of the match. Did you two nil worst lead in the world? Did you get that vibe when they scored? Because especially when it was two two, I was like, they're scoring a third goal. They're going to win. When it was two nil, and it was right before they scored. You know, it's the 60th minute, and you're getting we have half an hour left. I think this might be the end of it. And um, fortunately, it was another. It was kind of like the same goal that they gave up. It was a bad pass that Solo just intercepted, dribbled right around the keeper, and put in. And it's like, all right, now it's two one, game on. And then you bring in John Baccaro. Think about it. You got to bring on John Baccaro. <laughs> yeah. Like, think about that. Yeah. You know, he has a great flick to Junior. And it's, like you said, it's 2-2. And then, yeah, I mean, I honestly, once it was 2-2, you're like, third goal's coming. Third goal's coming. And yeah. Kalistri comes in. And that goal, that, that, that goal got, that was an insane goal. Honestly, I mean, he able to shoot it right into the ground to be able to go in. He got... Played 15 minutes and made Team of the Week honorable mention. When he found out, he was like, "Really? I only played 15 minutes." <laughs> but when you do, when you do that, I mean, why not? You extended the winning streak. Efficient, you know. Yeah. It's just Efficient they're down two 0 at half, and then not only they win, but Asante gets his goal, Flemings gets his goal, and just back like nothing happened, you know. Yeah, it's Asante's just... getting caught now on the league leaderboard. He's tied at yeah. 15, but he still leads the West. Whatever. I'm ready, like at this point, to say. Unless he dramatically falls off. He doesn't win player of the year in the league. There is. On oh, USL's website, they're kind of like doing like a, a pre who's going to win end of the year kind of thing. And the it's like solo for MVP, Rick for coach of the year, and uh, Zach Lubin for goalkeeper of the year. He leads the league in clean sheets and cars. Back at home this Saturday, El Paso. Something you wanted to mention about some pregame uh, things going on? Yeah, so obviously with the, the shooting happening last week, um, and then they're coming into into the valley uh the supporter section is going to do a little tifo for them um and then the captains for both sides are going to do um a little thing i don't know the specifics of it um but there will be a you know, commemorative member a moment of silence so um if you are going to the match maybe try to get there a little early that way you can see it um obviously thoughts and prayers heavy hearts for uh, what happened in el paso last saturday it's just it's terrible something you never want to see or hear um and hopefully the power of sport um, can at least bring us together for that two hours and and not make us forget, but you know, lift up our, our hearts and spirits for for a little bit. Absolutely, man. Uh, let's move on to the prem. Uh, I'm extremely excited for this season, much more than the last couple, just because I feel like not only is there the race between Man City and Liverpool and the caliber of soccer we're seeing from them is so high level but I feel like there is actually a case now where and this is kind of what I want to talk about the most is that I think City, Liverpool and Spurs especially with the business Spurs did during the window 
Um, I think are undoubtedly the three best teams in the league by a significant margin, but I think it gets really interesting after that. And I think with the way Arsenal, Manchester United, and Chelsea did not spend and the way that they the gaps they still have in their team, I feel like the door is open for other teams to get in that discussion, maybe even get fourth. I think that's where you talk about Leicester, Everton, Wolves. Um, not so much as fourth, but really challenge for the top six, Europa League placings and all that. And then I think that even other teams that are down in like the mid-table, lower mid-table, there is, there is going to be more parity, I think, because there's just such a huge gap between the top six or seven or eight and then everyone else, really. I think there's going to be a little bit more... Um, parity like i said than before i think the top three is still going to dominate everyone but after that i think it's going to get really interesting and there's a lot of really fun teams to watch what do you uh i know you're not as locked in on the premier league as i am but what are you most looking forward to um this season just watching uh the league yeah so obviously city is the league i pay attention to most but prem just because it's available along with uh, exactly yeah. the Bundesliga to watch, very easily watchable for us. Um, like you said, it was good to see Spurs splash some cash after doing not literally nothing for two years. But that does bring got Lucas, but that does that bring was literally team continuity. It. I mean, he <laughs> yeah. scored a big goal. He big goals. I shouldn't have one goal. He's, big goals. He's like Champions a. League he run. went from meme because he was the only guy they signed in 18 months to club legend in six months i can still hear the announcer's head yelling lucas more after ix yeah Ugh. but talking about the prem coming up yeah i mean city is going to do what city does uh city's now spent i believe 200 mil on three right backs in the last three years but i mean kyle walker's playing more center back now yeah um but i mean they're gonna do what they continue to do he pep Guardiola has the best talent in the world he kind of took a shot at Jurgen Klopp saying that you know it's more impressive to win the Prem but after this year I kind of agree with him in the terms of the difficulty of it but I think he says that because that Champions League trophy is the one that's eluded him um Liverpool is yeah Liverpool I mean you're coming off of Virgil van Dijk who I'm so happy got his recognition um Allison today former Roma keeper uh got hurt so that's going to be a big thing for them because he is a big like you said a big factor what keepers can do Mo yeah. Salah got his goal um Adrian's been was kind of low-key solid for West Ham for a couple of years but that's like a like you said it's a big step up to a club that needs you for a title race as opposed to like you're solid for a mid-table team yeah it's and then be- going below that I I'm not really sure what Man U's gonna do from uh I don't want to say what they're what they're gonna do because Lukaku from the goal scoring aspect of it, didn't have the greatest end of his career there. Yeah. Um, so you do have, you know, Marcus Rashford could take over in those spots, but they'll be battling for fourth. Um, Chelsea, you have a new coach, you have a new system to go in. How long is that going to take to integrate? Arsenal is going to be very interesting to me. Um, Mustafi is going to be that rock in the middle. Um, personally, I don't think David Luiz is a good defender. Yeah. I've always said that if he is not on the leash of Thiago Silva, he's a wild dog running around. And I think you might see that. And how he's getting older, he's going to be getting slower. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes guys reinvent themselves. So we'll see what happens with them. Um, Everton is one. Everton, little tidbit, never been relegated. Only yeah. prem team not to do that. Um, but they splashed some cash. They got the steal in terms of value, in my opinion, with Moise Keane from Juventus. Mm-hmm. He's an 18, 19-year-old Italian striker that I don't know why they let him go, to be honest. And they only paid 
late. They paid less than forty mil because you're gonna have to do all paid the like tra- twenty five thirty. Whatever yeah. it's whatever currency you want to use. So I'm gonna say thirty million, thirty five million euros. Yeah, but he is he's good. Um, yeah, let's let's start with City. Um, and just I think the thing with City and the overwhelming LOL. We don't even need to talk about this. They're gonna win the league thing. I agree with that, but I was ready to not until I just saw the way their moves panned out. I think that you look at their squad from a whole center back with company leaving, especially they didn't bring in anyone to directly replace him was one. I think that'll be a big leadership locker room thing. Fernandinho was a thing where he is so indispensable for them and so important. I think Pep's whole scheme, you see the 60 minutes before you see the lineup come out and you're like, okay, there's the striker, there's the, and then it's like, nine other guys you're like where are these nine going to play it doesn't really matter as long as they have that holding midfield have the two three center backs however it winds up being and have the attackers up front which they wind up having and then there's just a smorgasbord of midfield winger dudes and you just don't know where they play but the holding midfielder is always so important in his scheme and Fernandinho getting older and I know there were points in last season where he didn't play or he was out a week or two and they were, they were a different team so they bring in Rodri who I just think that that is exactly what they needed. It's it's kind of annoying how perfect he is. I think he's been described <laughs> as Sergio Busquets, but just a little bit more athletic and able to cover more ground. Um, that's a really, really high standard to hold because Busquets is one of the best midfielders the game has had in the past 10 years or so. But the way that they filled that hole and then at center back it's gonna like you said walker's probably gonna slip in more and then cancelo now who you've seen a bit of too is gonna squeeze in it right back and give them a lot more i don't think they've had a fullback in pep system at city like cancelo in terms of the offensive ability i think he's a worse defender for sure than walker is but yeah i just i don't see any way they fold i think liverpool is not a team we have to really talk about that much because of the, they're coming back with the same guys, basically. I think they'll give him a run. I hope they give him a run. Just so it's competitive. Just so there's a title race. I mean, last year was yeah. awesome to watch oh, as yeah. the season came to an end. Do you think it's inevitable, though, City is going to win? I think they're a center back injury away from things getting interesting. Like, if Laporte or Stones goes down for more than like a month or two, they're vulnerable. Yeah, but you'll see like the reason why they bought Laporte is because Vincent, <laughs> Vincent Kompany couldn't stay healthy. And so, I mean, I'm sure once January comes around, um, they'll end up buying somebody. One thing that's kind of making me, not kind of, it is making me mad, is the leagues are starting to impose these transfer deadlines. So the Prem deadline's over, even though it's not August 31st. And I get it. It's like, okay, our season started. We want everyone's teams to be set. But... I mean, this is kind of the fun part of the year, right? I think it was Pochettino who said something today, like it's unfair because other teams will hold leverage over them and be like, well, you guys got two weeks left. Like, If we don't get your player for this amount of money, we can go still spend the next two weeks trying to get this player at this price instead. You saw Dybala. That, yeah. that was a done deal. Apparently, I mean, both sides agreed reportedly, and then all of a sudden, I mean, I wasn't even shocked. It's soccer. You have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, look at Malcolm last year. He was on a flight to Rome. And then went to Barcelona mid-air. Like, he literally was... It was a done deal. So you... Oh. Until they're literally holding that scarf at the press conference, like, it's it's not a done deal. Oh, and the one thing I wanted to say about Arsenal... Um, so we started with their defense. So I think that'll be the questionable part of their team, in all honesty. Their attack on paper. We'll see what happens. But, I mean, you have Pepe. You have Yang, You have Lacazette. 
And for what he's still worth, even though he's talked about going to the MLS soon, is, is Ozil. I mean, th- those guys, just, again, on paper, they, they should be able to make something happen. They are the most common team to get picked fourth. I actually think they're still, I don't think they're for sure fourth, but that factor right there, I think Aubameyang is just one of the best strikers in the world. I think he's been criminally underrated the past two to three years. Him and Lacazette figured it out last year, He too. scored 22 last year, I believe, in the league, which was tied with Sané, or Sané, uh, Salah and Mane for the, for the lead in the golden boot. The hesitation I have with them, and I think the big swing guy for them is Ceballos, who we've seen intermittently in Real Madrid and I think he's a really great talent and I think he's he has the potential to come in and be one of the best newcomers in the league this year Shaka and Torreira behind him I really like Torreira Shaka's Grand Shaka's kind of mm-hmm. he's meh their defense was extremely concerning a week ago but they bring in Louise which to your point I agree with you on David Louise I don't think he's that great of a f- defender but the fact that they brought in David Louise and now we're like Whew, they finally got some defending. That tells you how bad it was before. Well, I mean, with that group, Mustafi's sold. been Mustafi's been kind of disappointing as a Socrates, and they just haven't been able to figure out that group because she only's gone. Papastathopoulos, I can say his his last name. Yeah. Um, but I was gonna say they sold Kashelny for five mil and then bought Dava Luis for ten. Yeah. I was talking to uh to Drake Hill. He uh covers Rising as well. He's a Bayern fan, so he stuck up for Mustafi. I. I said he was a little underwhelming because um, I think they splashed a lot of cash for him at the time because there was so much pressure coming from the fans and the media, like, you need a center back. Um, and so They did get Socrates um, from Dortmund. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's- Kieran Tierney from Celtic comes in. He's going to play some center back as well. Um, I think that they are the team. If I had to pick a team to finish fourth, it would be them for now. But who... Uh, I guess who sticks out to you the most uh, in either a positive or a negative way after that? I'm, I'm going to ask the question of myself first because I do not understand Manchester United's summer, which is crazy to say because their biggest issue was defensively. They bring in Juan Basaka, who's a proven right back in the Prem, and he's gonna, he's ready for this next step up. Harry Maguire, kind of the same thing, not a mid-table caliber center back. He's a top four caliber center back. Getting compared to Van Dyke because of the price, which is unfair because Van Dyke's worth twice as much as him by now. I don't even want to know what Van Dyke's worth. He's got to be worth like 150, 200 right now. He's the best defender in the world. Best defender in the world. Yeah. He's the best player in the world. So you look at that and you say, okay, thank God, no more Phil Jones, (laughs) which is just great for them. Eric Bailly's out till Christmas. So they're looking at Lindelof or they're looking at Smalling or they're looking at Rojo next to Maguire. So that's no sure thing. Left back. Rohogan, I mean, Rohogan has platooned at left back. Luke Shaw, yeah. what do you think of him? Luke, uh, Luke Shaw. But where I'm concerned is I thought Ander Herrera, and uh, as a humongous Paul Pogba fan, he's one of my favorite athletes to watch in the world. Very inconsistent player, of course, at United. But I thought Herrera was the guy who could unlock him and playing with guys like Matic and Fred as well. But Herrera was by far the best of those three at unlocking Pogba, if you talk about Matic and Fred. Herrera goes to PSG on a free. Matic has been very underwhelming the past two seasons. I thought he came in his first year and played really well. Yeah, I agree with that. But he has not been that good at all. And Fred was a huge disappointment last season. I thought that he was not that good at all. That's it. They have on 
record in front of me. They have Matic, Pogba, Fred, and uh, Scott McTominay, who's the youth player who's now 22 years old in their system. Juan Mata and Andres Pereira factor in as well, but they're more attacking style guys because you want that holding mid to unlock Pogba forward. That's what you want. You want Pogba to be box-to-box, but mostly focus on offense and while running the game in the back too. They just haven't been able to find that right guy. And then to something you mentioned earlier, Lukaku, they didn't replace him. And this was a team that's very deep up front. Rashford's probably going to play centrally now. Mm-hmm. Martial will play there occasionally too. Sanchez probably starts on the left. Lingard on the right. Lingard's very good. I think he's still a little bit underrated. He was he's un- young. He's young. He's only uh, 26. He's, so he's 26 now, but he's a guy who is the past two years really filled in there and still has room to grow, I think, uh, which I agree with you with. But I just look at this and I'm saying, man, they're missing that that one attacker and that one midfielder to be a surefire top four team. I have questions at both, and I'm a huge believer in Rashford and Pogba. I think they might finish outside of the top six. Well, I think what might be happening is because you've had the coaching change, you have the Jose Mourinho signings that are still there in in Pogba and in Alexis Sanchez. I mean, again, these are all rumors, but it was rumored that um, Alexis Sanchez was offered to Roma yeah. and they were going to pay a good chunk of his wages and Roma said no. And, um, you know, they had loaned out uh, Martial and you see maybe because of the coaching change, uh, Matic isn't playing as well as he would have with Jose. I mean... It's it's going to be interesting, and you know, he, I, I cannot pronounce their coach's name, but he wanted to spend a ton of money. Um, they really didn't spend; they spent a ton of money, but they didn't spend it on a ton of players that would be starting or, or plugged in right away. Yeah, you know, in my opinion. So, if there was going to be out of that, you know, that elite six. I mean, Man U just the last few years. I mean, they went on that run that got the coach hired, and then they kind of collapsed after that. Micah Peters on The Ringer wrote a piece that was basically saying they're treated like the top class of England because they they have this huge amount of money to spend, but they have been like a fourth, fifth place average finish the past four or five seasons. They they are not top tier right now. Oh, no, they, and they, ha- they haven't been for, for a while, honestly. Yeah. I would say... I mean, as soon as Ronaldo left in uh, after 2011, I mean, they I mean they have won a Europa League, but they really haven't had much of a title race in the last five years. They were still good after a few years after Ronaldo left, but yeah, I mean, it's just been it's been tough. I mean, anytime Sir Alex Ferguson leaves, you're gonna you're gonna have some difficulty. Maybe it was when City won, when City stole they from cracked. them at the end. That was yeah. it. I don't know. We should mention Chelsea because uh, the Golden Prince, Christian Pulisic, is coming in. And you talk about expectations. Um, for Sunday's match, they play Man United. Uh, Hudson Adoy's injury is unknown if he'll play. Williams out. So I'm shocked he's still there. Yeah, the, the Prince is going to come in and he's probably going to start on Sunday. And up front, no Hazard, and they didn't replace Gonzalo Higuain after bringing him in alone because they couldn't. They had a, they have a transfer ban. This was the first. There's nothing to replace with him. Oh, whoa! Shots fired. They actually he was. He, you should you should see what's happening in Italy with Roma. Like oh god, they off, Roma offered him the captaincy apparently, and the guy's like, I don't want to play for anybody <laughs> but Juventus, and it's kind of like no one. You we clearly don't want you either. Yeah, um, I. Ugh. From what, for where he is now, he used to be a good striker, 
um, especially in Italy. I would see him play a lot. Um, he has he played for two teams last year that aren't Juventus, so that kind of speaks to where he went. He also played for an Italian coach with Chelsea, who is now Juventus's coach. I really wish the timing would have worked out where William was on the right, Hazard was on the left, and there was this type type of opportunity for Michi Batshuayi to kind of get in the middle of those two proven guys and really explode. But with the way they sort of have these unproven guys in the Premier League, at least like Pulisic, uh, Hudson-Odoi, the kid's going to play a bit. William and Pedro will mix in there for sure. I think Giroud's going to be their first team guy. They have Tammy Abraham as, as well, who's a guy who's done well on his loan spells. But th- for me, the difference with them is... How much do you weigh Frank Lampard coming in, new manager, learning the system, and to me, the best midfield in the league, which is Conte, Jorginho, and Kovacic. They were terrific last year amidst all the chaos, and they'll be terrific again this year. They've also got Bakayoko, Barkley, Loftus-Cheek, and Van Ginkel are in there as well. How Lampard will favor those guys will be interesting because a guy like Bakayoko really has struggled there and went on alone, but new manager could be the right guy for him, fit schematically, who knows. Um, but do you see them falling off? Um, I mean, I mean, unfortunately for them, they uh, they aren't able to make any transfers, so you don't really know exactly what Frank Lampard wants to do in terms of what players fit his style the best, in his opinion. So you still have the old guard, um, that which is a way more possessive-based uh, mindset. So... We'll see. I mean, like you just—I mean, you just named off names that every team would want to have if they yeah. could. Like you said, the midfield Kovacic from Real Madrid. I wanted Roma to get him for a long time. Conte is one of the best. Uh, Jorginho is. I feel Italian. like no one's talking. Everyone's talking about like they lost Hazard, and I get it because he was Hazard was the best player in the league at, at a lot of points. But Conte is arguably the better player on the team. Well, it's 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 just like rising. Honestly, it's you talk That's about the point, goal yeah. scorers. We don't really get to talk about James Musa. We don't really get to talk about Jose Aguinaga, Kevin Lambert. He scores a goal, so we get to talk about Kevin Lambert. Yeah. But the guys who, like James Musa called it the dirty work. You know, you get the dirty work, take the ball, win the ball, and give it to the playmakers. You know, it's kind of, I don't want to call them offensive linemen uh, by any means, but <laughs> it's kind of like, hey, like, you know, the running backs score, the quarterbacks get the fame, all of that, and it's none of that is possible without the O line. You can't win the ball without your holding midfielders. You can't keep guys out of the net without your defense. So guys who don't necessarily do the flashy stuff may not get the credit or they don't get the credit. So a guy like Conte, who is one of the best, even though he's tiny, even though he's a smaller dude, he can still do the job. He's fast, he's strong, gets the ball. Jorginho is a playmaker through and through. Kovacic is kind of that hybrid guy who can do a little of both. I uh, Did you see Pulisic's two goals in the yeah. preseason oh, friendly? Yeah. So um, obviously that is a big marketing move uh, for the United States. And uh, you know we really have our first American who is playing for a, a top team. I mean, we've had guys play for Fulham and, and, and Everton. Um, not that those, Everton is probably, I guess... I would say Everton's a second tier. Yeah. Um, you know, with Tim Howard, but yeah, I mean we finally have an American and uh we got a couple Americans coming up the ranks throughout Europe. Think his runs through we saw in those two goals, his his runs through the defense being supplied by the likes and of the balls, Ross Barkley's and pass. Barkley and Conte and Kovacic is gonna be a lot better than Michael Bradley 
and Jermaine Jones and <laughs> the likes of that. No shots at them, but you're just talking about some of the best midfielders in the world as opposed to the type of guys the USA has. Uh, I want to talk about Leicester and Everton before we go quickly on Leicester. They're the most fascinating team for me to watch because they lose Harry Maguire for all that money and just probably because of the timing, they're not able to get a replacement in. Um, they have Johnny Evans back there, former Manchester United great Johnny Evans. Who could forget him? Uh, but I believe it's pronounced Soyunuchu. Uh, and then uh, Benkovic. They have two center backs who are both unproven. Wes Morgan is going to be in the mix as well, the captain. But every other part of their team I love in terms of being a top four team. And I, I truly mean that. But, really? Yeah. But okay. it's you, Harry Maguire's missing. It's like if Harry Maguire was there, I would have picked them to finish fourth, I think. Uh, because you look at this team up and down the list. Holding mid, they bring in Mendy to replace Conte. That didn't work, but luckily Wilfred and Didi has been very solid for them. I thought Yuri Tielemans was one of the best young players in the league last year when he came in alone. Uh, the Belgian had a ton of potential out. Uh, he goes to Monaco after moving from Belgium to Monaco. It kind of mixed results for him there. And then he comes over here and just looks like he f- fits in a glove. And then they bring up another Belgian in uh, Priet. Priet. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. But a similar sort of player, a little bit more advanced, a little bit less pulling the strings, a little bit more making that final pass to get things going forward. Uh, and then James Madison was a player that was very dynamic for them last year and came back with certain hype. So those four midfielders, and then up front, adding Iose Perez next to Jamie Vardy. I have a lot of experience watching Iose Perez from Newcastle. Finally put it together last year. It took him a while. But they have other options as well. Klitschy and Nacho is a player I've had my eye on a lot. Damari Gray is out wide as well. Mark Albrighton has been very solid for them in that role. Harvey Barnes is a player that, at 21 years old, like Madison at 22, has been picked by a lot of people to be a breakout player English from the English side. So to me, everything is there. Kasper Schmeichel is a proven keeper in the league by now. Everything's there for them to be top four, except that center back spot that they just didn't replace. And I can't, I can't pick them to finish that high because of it. So if there's one team we shouldn't say can't do that, it's Leicester. I mean, yeah. we all know what they did when they won the Prems. You know, literally the greatest, uh, greatest. Uh, what is it? Comeback, not comeback, but shock in the world. So the one thing I would say that makes winning the Prem or winning uh, a Champions League spot is over the course of 34 games and something we've seen with Rising is you have to have depth. You have to have depth. Obviously, they're not a smaller club, but they don't have the ability to splash the cash that the Man Cities of the world do. So you look at Pep, who can bring, I think Gondogan's going to have, or Gondogan, however you pronounce it, the German, he, I think, will have a bigger role on the team this year. Um, So I don't, no, you have a like you just named some guys who are picked to have breakout seasons, but therefore they're unproven because they have not right. done it yet. So should all those dominoes be able to to fall in the right spots for Leicester? Yeah, it's definitely possible. And if you can get the points against the teams you need to lose, especially, um, but if the depth isn't there, I mean injuries you can never predict, and they happen, and it sucks. But that would be my only concern with uh, the Evertons and the Leicesters and the Wolves of the world is just you don't have the the dollar amount to be able to have guys who you would start on right. your team right. on the bench for for the the Man Cities and the Liverpools and, and whatnot. Let's wrap it up on your boy, Moyes Keen. Tease it at the top of the segment. Um, for me, what this looks like is everything is in front of him for this to work. I look at the wide options that you have. 
Alex Awobi coming in, I think, has been really solid for Arsenal, and he's just it never really fit for him there with the amount of explosion they had up front. It just seemed like he's bit for a more solid team that knows what they're getting in him and needs his role specifically. And I think this is the team where Charleston had a great start to the year for them and then kind of fluttered off a bit. But then you look at the midfield, you've got Sigurdsson. They bring back Andre Gomez. They bring in Fabian Delfa. Gabamon is going to be the guy to hopefully do some of the work that they're losing in Idrissa Gay, who's a huge loss for them. But I look at your boy Moise Keen and I say... Everything is set up for him. They've got the wide options in there. Theo Walcott's going to factor in there. Yannick Bolasi and Onyakuru, they still have. They still have Bernard as well. Just a ton of wide options for them to sort through with him in the middle. And then I think the midfield is solid enough and the defense as well with Michael Keane, Yeri Mina. I really like Lucas Digne. And then they bring in Sidibe from Monaco as well. Lucas Digne played for Doma. He sure did. Jordan Pickford is one of the best keepers in the league. Everything's there for like him to have a 20-plus goal season, honestly. I think it could be that much of an explosion for him. What have you seen from him in Serie A and his limited time playing for Juventus in terms of being that type of instant impact guy for them? He's also Italian, so he plays on the Italian national team and the actual team. Um, because of his age, he was able to play for the under-21s <laughs> as well. This past, uh, this past summer in the Euros didn't go well for Italy, even though they hosted. But... He's a goal scorer, man, and it was just like every week it was, he scored again, he scored again, he scored again, and again, I'm not sure why they got rid of him. It's literally a future piece, but you know, we can talk about that another time. He isn't a big, if you haven't seen him, he's not a big guy, he's not a big kid. He's not going to be a guy you're throwing balls into the box to to win in the air, especially in the Prem when um, I went to, the only Prem game I went to was Liverpool-Burnley, and I was only able to get tickets in the Burnley section because Liverpool sells out every game. But if you watch an EPL game, you'll see where the away section sit, and it's always in a corner. And so we were actually right behind the goal. The center backs in the Premier League, man, oh my. They are big and thick and strong. So my point with that is he is not going to be a guy that's going to out-physical you, but he's Italian. He can pass. He He's not going to be a big guy like an Adam John who goes back to goal. He's going to... Be more like a Sergio Aguero type. Exactly. To yeah. where it's one-two touch, give him a shot, and it's going to go on the back of the net. If I had to guess for doing a prediction, I'd say if he doesn't score if he doesn't score a minimum of 15 goals, it's a bust. He should score at least 15. I was about to say that's that was the whole setup for me with all the pieces around him. Is that I'm glad you mentioned like he can pass in the comparison to Aguero, the one-two touch kind of stuff. Sigurdsson especially is just like the 9 to 10 relationship there. I love it, the potential for them. And then the threats out wide. I think if there's just enough there, I think a Wobie's going to be a consistent player for them. I just wonder about the other spot, whether it's for Charleston, Kevin Morales is still around, who knows on that. Bernard, they have all those names I mentioned. If one of those guys can link in for me, I think that it's there. All the potential is there for him to be the, the best young player in the league. And I would I would agree. I think at least like 13, 14 goals for him should be the standard. And then if he turns out to be a 20-plus goal guy, they're looking like a top-four club. And I think he is, he is one of the most, when you look at one player impacting a team, I think he's in like certainly the top 10, maybe even the top five in terms of just how one player can swing a team season this year. Yeah, it's it's definitely possible. Like I said in the the beginning of when we started, it's definitely a steal for how much they bought him for. I would sell him no less than fifty, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not one of those guys. That's why I get paid to do what I do and not what they get paid to do. Um, to go with Pickford came from Sunderland. Um, if you're not familiar with uh, with that side, they 
have uh, you know what? I won't even say what happened. If you are a soccer junkie like I am, head on Netflix, Sunderland Till I Die. Hell of a documentary. Um, yeah. Season two is coming out in December. Um, but that's where Jordan Pickford came from. Um, England's national keeper. Um, he had that blunder against Liverpool last year, but we'll forgive him. Every keeper has that. So I want to, real quick, Kellen's wearing a uh, Spurs jersey, by the way, a Sun mm-hmm. jersey. Um, so you, remember, he uh, he gave up his lads in Newcastle. Sure Have did. you decided on a team for this upcoming season? For one, I feel so much better about abandoning Newcastle after the way they went about this transfer window and people will be surprised to hear that because they spent money but it was an absolute joke their season ticket numbers were way way down so they go out and buy Joliton from the Bundesliga for 40 million euros a name that kind of came out of nowhere he has he scored seven league goals in his career and they bought him for 40 million and he's this Brazilian he's got a lot to his game of course power speed all this kind of stuff but they buy this guy as if to say, like, look, we're spending money now. Please come back to the stadium. We're losing a lot of money here because the fans, a lot of protesting and saying enough's enough. People who have been season ticket holders for decades just saying, no, I'm done. You're not getting my money anymore. They bring in two other, three other players that make sense. They spend a little bit of money. But just the way they operated, they brought in Andy Carroll on a free as if to say, look, nostalgia. Isn't it great? <laughs> Screw them. They you suck. You still got the ponytail? Uh, I'm very... I don't think so. It's man bun is what I, it is. More I feel of. like you have to keep to your brand and keep the man bun yeah. at that point. It's kind of your identity, right? Maybe he's trying to move on from that and go for it. Maybe like shaved his head or something. I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll see him play. But I, I I say screw them, like screw the club and the people who run it. But I'm, I'm very hopeful for their supporters. They get a good season out of the club. We'll see. I'm a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay neutral for the whole season, I think. Unless Pulisic is man on fire and is just one of the best young players in the league right away i have to jump to chelsea i think i just have to it's kind of like the right moment at the right time sort of thing they've sort of been they have the history of winning and stuff but the past couple of years they've kind of been in a united situation they 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 got the Mourinho second spell which was really nice of course um conte as well but the past year or two it's kind of been all over the place i don't know but uh i bought a couple kits this is young man's son he's one of my favorite players in the world just going to stay neutral for now, man, I think. Is that okay? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to tell you who to root for. Yeah. I don't really have a particular team, I guess. Liverpool, be just because Roma's yeah. uh, owner's on the board with Fenway Group, who own Liverpool, and they have a connection because they just keep giving Salah and Alisson and everyone else to the team. So, And I love Jurgen Klopp. Love him to death. Yeah, I just have five, six teams I'm just really, really excited to watch. Obviously, a couple that we just discussed there. Spurs we didn't even talk about. Um we didn't talk about them too much. Dom Bele is going to be is going to be unreal Deli's, for them. If Deli, he's supposed I think, to be. is uh, is Delhi hurt? I believe Delhi's just kind of in and out of the mix. They brought in the Celso too. Erickson's staying for now, so I don't even know if he's going to play full time. Like, I mean, he has to stay until January, right? If their uh, transfer window's yeah, closed, exactly. So I mean, he's a pivotal part. I don't know why yeah. you'd want to sell him unless you're trying to cap out his th- max value from his age. So they loaned. They got La Celso in on loan for a year and then they have a 60 million dollar option which they're almost certainly going to pay at the end of the year older so, almost went to roma he um, did yeah but their defense stayed. held i think they're going to be really good still all right we'll wrap it there i could talk for literally three more hours about the premier league i'm so excited i'm waking up at 4 a.m on saturday and i'm waking up at i think there's a 4:30 game again on sunday too i'm waking up the midday nap can cure everything jake it can cure everything well, i gotta be at rising on saturday (laughs) night so i can't be uh staying up too late yeah all right man well 
Everyone tweet us your predictions and thoughts on the Premier League if you stayed with us this long. We appreciate it. We'll see you back next week. Peace.